So the mysteries over the death of 26-year-old Shaney Warren still remain. Her body was found bound and gagged in a lake at Taplow near Maidenhead on April the 18th, and she died by drowning. Her wrists were tied behind her back with car jump leads, her legs bound with a car tow rope. On the 18th of April, 1987, Easter weekend, 26-year-old Shaney Warren's body was found face down in Taplow Lake in the United Kingdom. She was gagged with a blue cloth and her wrists were tied with a car jump lead and her ankles bound by a tow rope. Her car was found abandoned nearby with her personal items everywhere. Dr Benjamin Davis, the Home Office pathologist who did the post-mortem, was convinced she had tried to strangle herself before tying herself up and tumbling into the water to commit suicide. Outrageously, a theory was suggested by a forensic pathologist that Shaney had taken her own life based on the looseness of the ties on her hands and that no other footprints were found alongside her stiletto heel prints at the scene. From the beginning, I thought this was a suicide. The young lady's tying up of the wrists and ankles was so amateurish that I can't imagine any assailant attempting to tie her up in that particular way. And it obviously could have been done by Miss Warren herself. And so I suggested this to the police and suggested they called in the most notable expert in this field in Britain. Despite how Shaney was found, the pathologist stated it was not clear whether she had been murdered or if she had managed to bind and gag herself. Suicide or murder, it's a peculiar death with puzzling clues. No marks on her body, her hands and feet tied up. The police are talking to a not-expert today to see if she could have done it herself. With the first 48 hours critical in her murder investigation now lost thanks to this shocking theory, a murder investigation was finally launched four days after her body was found when a post-mortem examination found she had died by drowning. This led the press to quickly start referring to Shaney as the lady in the lake. Despite the case getting a lot of publicity, due to the lack of evidence and there not being enough advancement in DNA testing in 1987, police were unable to charge anyone with her murder. And so 34 years passed and the case went cold. That was until 2020. Shaney Warren was born in December of 1960 to her parents, Joe and Elsie Warren. Shaney was described as a pleasant and friendly person who would take time out of her day to chat with neighbours. She came from a very loving family and was close to all her relatives. Her relationship with her parents was a central and integral part of her life. She visited them every few days, had fun shopping trips with her mother, and even went on holidays with both of them. Shaney's brother Stephen said, from the day Shaney was born, our family dynamic changed. Over time, our new little addition grew into a wonderfully pretty and happy child whom everyone immediately took to their hearts. Shaney was said to be loving, thoughtful, warm, caring and eager to help, sometimes to her own detriment. She had an active social life with a good number of friends with whom she was very close to and she enjoyed sharing evenings with friends and family, discussing life hope and future plans. On Thursday the 16th of April 1987, Shaney had dinner with her former boyfriend Roger Pell to catch up as they had not seen each other for a while. They had a nice evening together where Shaney seemed happy and relaxed and after dinner they arranged to meet again soon. The next day on Friday the 17th, Shaney decided to cut the lawn at her house in Stoke Poges in Buckinghamshire. As she did not have an extension lead, she went over to her parents' house to borrow one at around 10am as they only lived 10 minutes away. 
While there, she made plans with her father to head down to the family flat in Bournemouth with him on Sunday so that they could have Easter lunch together with the rest of the family. Her father said that he would pick her up Sunday morning and that they could drive down to Bournemouth together. Shaney thanked her father and went back to her house around 11am to cut the lawn. Once she was done with the job, she put all the grass cuttings into some black bin liners and put the bags in her car. She planned to dispose of the cuttings on her way to the shops, where she was headed next, as she needed a few items. Shaney's housemates watched her set off in her car at around 6pm, but sadly, she never returned from the trip. Later that same evening, a lorry driver saw Shaney's black Vauxhall Cavalier parked in a lay-by on the nearby A4, where he planned to park up for the night. Thinking the car had just broken down, he thought nothing of it, until he came back the following morning and the car was still there. At 6.30pm on the 18th of April, a woman was walking her German Shepherd around Taplow Lake when her dog suddenly took an unusual interest in an object in the water. As the woman approached, she realised it was a young woman's body lying face down in the water. She called over to a passerby, and they both dragged the body out of the water and onto the bank. Sadly, this was the body of Shaney Warren. Shaney's wrists had been tied with a car jump lead, her ankles bound by a tow rope, and she had been gagged with a blue cloth. When police got to the scene, they found that Shaney's car had been left unlocked. With one door slightly open, the driver's seat reclined and her car keys missing. When the police tried to move the car, they found that it had gearbox problems and that it would only work in third and fourth gear. Inside the car, the police found the bin bags containing remnants of grass, Shaney's lighter on the passenger seat, her watch in the passenger's footwell and an easter egg in the driver's footwell. Nearby, in the undergrowth, they found Shaney's credit card holder, her tow rope bag, and a thank you card addressed to Sir Roger, which was presumed to be her ex-boyfriend, Roger Pell, the man with which she had dinner that previous Thursday. Despite the manner of her discovery, police initially treated her death as suicide, with one of the pathologists on the case saying that it was not clear whether Shaney had been murdered or had managed to bind and gag herself. Well, from the beginning, I thought this was a suicide. The young lady's tying up of the wrists and ankles was so amateurish that I can't imagine any assailant attempting to tie her up in that particular way. And it obviously could have been done by Miss Warren herself. And so I suggested this to the police and suggested they called in the most notable expert in this field in Britain, which they did. And he agreed with me. He came to this conclusion based on the looseness of the ties on her hands, saying that they were very loose and they would not have restrained an active young woman. How could somebody bind themselves hands and feet and then throw themselves into a lake? We are, and we depend here on expert uh, advice on this. Uh, we have been assured so far by the Home Office pathologists, by forensic scientists, that it was possible for those uh, bindings to have been done by shining herself and to get into the lake. There were also no other footprints found at the scene of the crime, alongside Shaney's stiletto heel prints. He also concluded 
that he could not see any evidence of physical assault. With a case where somebody has been bound, if it's a murder, there's signs of violence or sign of a struggle, there isn't. Or if it's a suicide, which is very unusual, we do have unusual suicides, it's unusual that there's no history of depression or suicide note. Shaney's family, however, were adamant that she had not taken her own life and that this was foul play. Our feelings have been totally consistent from the start in that there's got to be a third party involved. She didn't leave the house with the intention of committing suicide. If she did ultimately commit suicide, then somebody met her or influenced her along the way. Her father said, We as a family know, we know that Shaney was murdered. We knew our daughter and she did not commit suicide. Her mother, Elsie, stated that her daughter had never shown any signs of contemplating death and that she did not have any history of mental health concerns. In her car, there were also gifts and cards for other people and she had made future plans that included meeting with Roger Pell and her family. So it did not make sense that she would do this. Shaney's car was found here in the lay-by next to the lake. Inside were two empty plastic bags which had contained grass cuttings and an Easter egg she bought for a friend. What the police want to know is where she emptied those grass cuttings and where she bought that Easter egg. You see, if she bought that Easter egg after six o'clock, then it's very significant because it means we've got an additional sighting. It may be that somebody was with her when she bought that egg. We don't know. It was only after a full-scale post-mortem examination that a murder investigation was launched four days after the discovery of Shaney's body. Her family, convinced she didn't take her own life, made an extraordinary request for a police video of their daughter's body to be shown at the inquest. They felt the pictures would prove she didn't tie herself up and commit suicide. The family of Shaney have always been convinced that she was brutally murdered. The coroner has not altered that belief with his verdict today. The family feel very strongly that they have been needlessly distressed by the suicide theory which has not been accepted today. The post-mortem examination found that Shaney's cause of death was drowning and that she had most likely died at some point on the evening of Good Friday. Bruising around her neck was also discovered, suggesting the forceful application of a ligature upon her. Pinprick-sized hemorrhages to the skin of her face, her eyes and scalp also pointed strongly to an act of strangulation occurring before she died. Final traces of semen were found on the cloth gag which had been found around her face. Since the initial pathologist had not taken a mouth swab from Shaney, these traces were not initially picked up, hence him concluding at the time that there was no proof of a physical assault. Despite having some DNA from the crime scene, DNA evidence was in its infancy in 1987. You would have to have a sample the size of a tenpence piece to have a DNA profile, whereas today we can get DNA samples from much smaller items of bodily fluids. So the evidence was stored to hopefully provide a solid base for future work. Ten years later, Shaney's murder was back in the headlines. Detectives looking into a series of attacks in the Midlands and Yorkshire extended their investigation to include Shaney Warren's case. All of the victims had their hands tied behind their backs and were blindfolded. And in one specific attack in Leeds, a woman was thrown into a canal. But sadly, nothing came of this. A year later, in 1998, the police announced they were setting up a new national database to look into possible links between crimes around the country. More than 200 crimes were reviewed, including that of Shaney Warren. All of them involved women who were thought to have been killed by a stranger. More years passed, and still no one was apprehended for her murder, and the coroner at the time recorded an open verdict, and so the case went cold. 
that was until 2020. Several items were submitted for re-examination over a number of years, but only in early 2020 was the mouth gag submitted for re-examination to forensic scientists. The major crime review team initially looked at Shaney's case in 2007, uh, we looked at it again in 2010, and then lastly in 2018 we looked at the case uh, and then decided to submit items for additional forensic work. That forensic work developed two pieces of DNA evidence, one on the mouth gag which was on around Shaney's mouth and the second one which was from uh, tapings which had been taken from her bra. A team of scientists who use modern day DNA analysis methods looked at the samples taken back in 1987. With the advancement in science, the results finally produced a DNA profile that when was searched against the National DNA Database came back with a match. The match was to a man called Donald Robertson. The match was a billion times more likely if the DNA was from Mr. Robertson rather than if none of the DNA came from Mr. Robertson. So that was in relation to the cloth. The result from the bra taping was slightly different. And in that case, the, the figure was 27 million times more likely. Donald Robertson was finally arrested in June of 2021. And when he was brought in for questioning, he denied everything. Have you, have you ever been to the lake? No, no not fishing. You ever been fishing there? But have you, have you been to that lake for other reasons? No comment. Donald Robertson, originally from Slough, was a 66-year-old pensioner who had a passion in fishing. Little is known about him and his childhood, but looking at his criminal history, one thing is clear. He's an absolute monster. Donald Robertson is a predator. Throughout his adult life, he has attacked women, invariably either young girls or, or women in their 20s. Most victims have stated he's, he's, he's either had a weapon or has told them he's had a weapon, and they've been subjected to the most horrendous uh, acts upon their lives. In regard to uh, Shaney, obviously, unfortunately, it, it cost her her life. It's difficult to put into context what these young girls and women went through but uh, without doubt, Robertson is an evil and dangerous man. In 1978, Donald Robertson was jailed for burglary and the attempted rape of a 15-year-old girl who was home alone in Slough. He was released in April of 1981, but just three months later, on the 16th of July, he raped a 16-year-old near Farnham Lane in Slough. The 16-year-old girl reported the incident to the police, and she was asked to pick out her attacker from a lineup at the police station. She did not identify anyone while in the room, but shortly afterwards, she tearfully told police she believed it was the man standing in Donald Robertson's position. Officers at the time decided there was not enough evidence to justify charging him, and he was released. Just days after being released by police, Donald Robertson did this once again to a 14-year-old girl who had been riding her bicycle to Farnham Royal. During that particular attack, he took a broken bottle at the girl and told her she would be marked for life if she went to the police. He pleaded guilty to this attack in October 1981 and spent a little over five years in jail. 
Donald Robertson was then released again in December of 1986, and then four months later, in April 1987, he attacked and murdered Shaney Warren. Less than two months after attacking and killing Shaney, and only a few miles from Taplow Lake, in June 1987, he once again raped a 17-year-old girl who was walking home having missed the last train. She described being threatened with what she believed was either a gun or a knife, and having been frightened for her life. He was convicted for this attack in 2010 after an investigation by the Thames Valley Police Major Crime Review Team. It was not until November 2020 that the Major Crime Review Team was first notified of the provisional indication of a match between the DNA profile on the mouth gag on Shaney Warren and Donald Robertson, and so he was arrested in June 2021 for her murder. When the police did the research in relation to Donald Robertson, Following his arrest for Shaney's murder, they saw that he also came up as one of the suspects in the 1981 attack of the 16-year-old girl. They carried out additional forensic tests in relation to this case, and from those tests, they managed to get a DNA profile which once again matched Donald Robertson to the tune of one in a billion. And so, Donald Robertson was also charged in this case. Donald Robertson was charged at High Wycombe Magistrates Court on the 17th of May 2022 with falsely imprisoning, indecently assaulting and murdering Shaney Warren in Taplow on the 17th of April 1987. He was also charged with the kidnap and rape of the 16-year-old girl in Slough on the 16th of July 1981. Donald Robertson did not attend his trial and was unable to appear via video link due to his health and the coronavirus outbreak at the prison where he was being held. He was represented by a solicitor for the brief hearing. Thames Valley Police's major crime review team's principal investigator, Peter Byrne, said that Robertson's failure to attend his trial speaks volume to his character, labelling him as a coward who wasn't prepared to stand up and answer to the charges which were put before him. Donald Robertson did not give evidence in his defence, and his lawyer called no witnesses but claimed someone else guilty of similar crimes around that time involving tying women up and attacking them could have been the culprit. He also referred to evidence from the pathologist at the time of Shaney Warren's death, stating she could have tied her own wrists and ankles, making it a suicide, and argued that the possibility of someone falling into the water could not be ruled out. The prosecution, however, strongly denied that Shaney had taken her own life, with her GPs providing statements after her death, saying they did not think she was suicidal. This was also supported by Dr. Richard Hamilton, who reviewed her personal diaries for the inquest into her death. They also said the new DNA evidence was the cornerstone of the latest case against Donald Robertson with traces matching his found on the underwear of both victims as well as on the mouth gag used on Shaney Warren. Finally, Donald Robertson was convicted by unanimous verdict at Reading Crown Court of murdering 26-year-old Shaney Warren and of kidnapping and raping a teenager in 1981, decades after his horrendous crimes. It only took the jury 7 hours and 18 minutes to convict Robertson of murder alongside the other charges against him. The judge handed Robertson a life sentence to serve a minimum of 30 years in custody. At this point, 
In 2052, a parole board will decide whether Donald Robertson can be released, should he still be alive. Police apologised that it had taken so long to bring her attacker to justice, but that the case coming to court was down to advancements in forensic science. Peter Byrne said, In relation to Shaney's family, I'd like to thank them for their support, thank them for their patient. I'm sorry that it took so long to bring Robertson before the court, but we've only been able to do that as a result of advancements in forensic science. It was not as a result of any lack of effort on behalf of the police. It was just that unfortunately, at that time, there was not the evidence to enable us to charge Robertson. He went on to praise the victim in 1981 for her strength of character in going to court to give evidence during the trial. I'd like to thank her for her, her bravery and courage coming forward when we spoke to her, having to go through the ordeal of giving evidence before a Crown Court and also having to relive that horrific event which took place all those years ago. And unfortunately, the police coming back to her brought it back to the fore again, so I'd like to apologise to her for that, but thank her, because of her strength of character, she was able to give evidence which is able to secure the conviction against Robertson. Mr Byrne described Donald Robertson as an evil and dangerous man and a predator who had attacked women and girls throughout his adult life, subjecting them to the most horrendous acts. Stephen, Shaney's brother, said, We cannot imagine what the last moments of Shaney's life must have been like but you may agree that no punishment is enough for her attacker, a psychopath and a coward who lacked the courage to attend court or even to give evidence via a live link. As you can imagine, the loss of Shaney left a gaping hole in her family's life. What's so sad is that her parents died during the pandemic before they could see justice served and they died never knowing who had killed her and with her murder never being resolved in their minds. Justice Wool noted that Shaney's remaining family members had to wait 35 years until they knew for certain who was responsible. They have been told at times she might have killed herself, and at other times she might have been killed by another man. The anguish of having to wait for so long for the truth to emerge must make the suffering so hard to endure. Being forced to live with the lie that there had been no assault on her obviously didn't help the investigation, and the nonsensical notion of suicide put forward by the pathologist was completely outrageous and obviously such a huge distraction in the case. I'm so glad justice was found in the end, and I just want to finish with some of Stephen Warren's words describing his sister Shaney, as I think this is how she deserves to be remembered rather than just the lady in the lake. Shaney, you were loved so much, and we have all, so many times, wished so hard that we could and would have protected you on that terrible day. Nothing can ever even begin to make up for the pain that losing you has inflicted. You brought so much love and happiness into our lives, and losing you left us devastated forever. We'll see you again one day, and laugh as hard as we always did, and maybe it will be you giving us some opinions and advice this time around. Until then, we can only pack away our grief once more and keep on going as we always have. Bless you, our lovely, loving, irreplaceable little star.